0: buzz. I'm Dayton Olander. Access to food and healthy options isn't easy or affordable for a lot of Utahns, but a Salt Lake City organization, Food Equity Advisors, are trying to expand access to food in our communities. The group is organizing meetings with residents, the Tribune's Alexel Cabrera reports, to learn more about access barriers to food. The meetings and the goal of the Food Equity Advisors is to draft a new food assessment for Salt Lake City. According to a recent report by the advisors, greater access to food will take involvement from all parts of the government. City planning and zoning, transportation, and lack of open spaces all contribute to city residents not getting the healthy food they need. You can read more of Alex L's reporting on sltrib.com. And next, journalists Leah Larson and Jeff Parrott discuss Leah's recent reporting about House Bill 242 and secondary water metering in Utah. All right, Leah, thanks for joining us. Um, can you go ahead and tell me a little bit about what are secondary water connections and like why have you been reporting on them here recently?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think for a lot of people maybe living in Salt Lake City and Salt Lake County, this concept is totally foreign and unheard of. But basically, a secondary water connection takes water straight out of like a reservoir or a river and pipes it directly to homes, so that you can use it on your lawn, on your garden. And if you think about it, it's kind of a brilliant idea because... These these water districts save so much money by using untreated water on the landscape. If you think about treating water like that's very expensive, very time consuming, takes a lot of energy. So if you're just going to dump it on your grass, like why treat it? So that's basically what secondary metering is and why it's become so sort of prolific in Utah.
0: And why are lawmakers talking about it now? And is this anything new?
1: Uh, that's a great question. Um, so they, have, they haven't just started talking about this. They've been talking about it for years. In fact, in 2018, um, one senator tried to pass a bill similar to what this one was doing, which is requiring a meter on all these secondary connections. So you tried to do that in 2018, it hit a lot of opposition and scale it down to just like new connections, like, you know, new homes would have to have a meter. The problem with secondary water is that historically they couldn't meter it because it's, like I said, that's straight out of a river. So if you think about all the gunk and like sediment and debris that's in a river, that's running through your pipes. You know, like sometimes they'll find actual fish in these pipes. So it's really hard to pass water that's that dirty through a meter without the meter getting kind of gunked up and breaking. So only in like the last 10 years, maybe a little more than 10 years, have, have we actually engineered meters that can like let the water pass through without ruining the meter. So because we've been installing these secondary systems for 50 years. If you think about that, that's so many households, so many businesses that don't have meters. And, and now basically what this bill, House Bill 242, is doing is trying to catch up and get meters on all those thousands and thousands of connections
0: throughout the state. So labor and operationally expensive, um, financially, I assume too, is there some money in the Biden administration's infrastructure package that could qualify for this kind of work?
1: Yeah, that that's, I think maybe part, you know, you asked about the timing, why now? I think that's a big part of it. They are looking at the American Rescue Plan Act to to fund some of this. So the lawmakers are planning on taking uh, about $250 million from the American Rescue Plan Act to help fund this. And water districts will be able to apply for grants to cover up to 70% of their costs in the first year. And then that goes down by like a 10 percentage point increment year by year. So by you know, by 2030, they're only going to be able to get like a like a small fraction of that. But so I think that the idea is to incentivize the districts to install these meters as soon as possible. The sooner they install the meters, the more grant money they get to help cover the costs. If that makes sense.
0: With the hopes of the meters ultimately doing what?
1: Yeah. So like I said, Weber Basin is installing meters for the last decade, and they have found that once people get a meter on their secondary connection. And the district can send them paperwork showing like, hey, here's how much you use this month. Here's how it compares to your neighbors. People cut back their watering on average by a quarter. Which is pretty significant and that's without them even raising costs like charging you for your use it's just like hey here's what you're using just fyi and people like voluntarily cut back when they realize how much they're using some lawmakers are claiming that if we get meters on every single secondary connection in the state we could have saved the equivalent of a jordan reservoir and i'm not really sure how they came up with that figure and like how they're quantifying that but it, it does make sense if you know people are voluntarily cutting back that much water it could it's building a, a new reservoir for like a fraction of the cost
0: and brian mathley talks about his reporting on some lawmakers plans to add to the sprawling list of state parks in utah and
2: why they might be needed this is brian mathley the public lands reporter for the salt lake tribune and i'm um, talking t- about a uh, bill hb 381 which would establish yet another state park in the state of Utah, the 46th, that. A place called Monte Cristo, and it is a popular snowmobiling area uh, in the Monte Cristo Range above Ogden Valley. The state parks in Utah are getting overrun. They've become so popular, in part, because the national parks are overrun, largely with out-of-state visitation. So the legislature has turned to state parks to kind of take up the slack. They've They've established three new state parks in the last couple of years and have invested tens of millions of dollars. And now the 46th state park uh, would be at Monte Cristo, where uh, the bill sponsored by Steve Eliasson, a Republican of Sandy, would appropriate $20 million to build entrance station, water infrastructure, campgrounds and you know turn it into more of a year round kind of destination. But at the moment, it's, it's, used, it's seen you know, massive use by snowmobilers. Uh, it's wonderful terrain for snowmobiling, but probably for cross-country skiing, uh, mountain biking, and ATV riding. And we've seen, according to the numbers they provided me, the, the amount of use at Monte Cristo has just gone through the roof in the last two years. The, um, the number of uh, parking fees they've collected at Monte Cristo have doubled to more than twenty-one thousand, so it's an indication that this is an area a lot of people are going. It could really use some uh, greater regulation. So it, there's you know a couple hundred acres of state-owned land there where there's this trailhead, but it's surrounded almost entirely by the Uinta-Wasatch-Cache National Forest, and and that's really where people are snowmobiling. It's on the national forest. The state land is is just a trailhead. But soon, if this bill passes, it will have a lot of uh, park amenities and become Utah's 46th state park.
0: Utah is one of the most strict blood alcohol content laws in the nation, with a legal limit for drivers at just 0.05%. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be working. The drop from 0.08% to 0.05 went into effect on December 31st of 2018 and was intended to decrease the number of accidents caused by drunk drivers. That largely hasn't played out on Utah's roadways so far. In 2019, the first year the law was in effect, there were 26 fatal alcohol-related crashes on Utah's roadways, down from 39 the year prior. So far, so good. But data since then has shown that 2019 may have been an anomaly. In 2020, there were 45 fatal alcohol-related crashes, and in 2021, there were 43. These numbers may be even worse than they sound, considering fewer people were driving in those years due to the coronavirus. Utah is set to begin winding down its testing and reporting efforts for the coronavirus this spring. Governor Spencer Cox announced at a Friday news conference that the state will close down many of its testing sites and no longer report daily case counts, hospitalizations, and deaths after March 31st. Falling case counts to be impetus for the state's new direction, although current numbers remain higher than those from the middle of last year. During his address, the governor also repeatedly cited science as a reason for the shift. He said case counts have not been accurate since at-home testing became widely available in 2021, and also noted that the Omicron variant's behavior has been predictable thus far. Despite this, around 100 people in Utah died due to the coronavirus last week. And that's it for today. If you haven't already, please let your friends know about the Daily Buzz and that we're on their favorite podcast apps. We want to hear from you. If you have some feedback about the podcast, shoot us an email at dailybuzz at I'd like to thank the Tribune's Joel Cordenas for editing the Daily Buzz and local band The Pelicans for our music. Thanks for listening.